Listener Production. Hello, welcome back to Koshy's Easy Steps to Financial Success. I'm David Kosh, and as you know, I'm on a mission to help you fulfil your financial dreams. Now, throughout this series, we've spoken about everything from setting a household budget to family financial planning, investing, and even managing your debt. And in this episode, I'll help you overcome any last-minute excuses to not action any of the steps towards your own financial success. We'll dispel some of the myths surrounding the money advice you've received over the years, and finally, help you find a way to maintain the good financial habits you've built up over this podcast series. Now to this point, if you're finding yourself making excuses for not saving money, I am calling BS bullshit. Saving is a habit. You need to get into it and you need to do it right now. Even though you might have to ditch some of the more convenient and social things in life like using food delivery apps and saying yes to drinks at the pub every time someone asks, it will be worth it for your future security. And I bet you'll sleep better at night because of it. As I've said before, saving is the start to setting you on the road to investing and accumulating, hopefully, even more money for your savings. So if you're still dragging your heels, let me tell you some of the most common excuses I've heard from people who can't get their act together. Number one, I can't afford it. Well, this is the worst excuse ever. You'll never afford anything with this mentality. So I hope you enjoy living in your parents' basement until you're 35, if you think like that. Now, if that doesn't appeal to you, remember that saving is not about how much you earn. It's about how much money you put away. Start small. Even 20 bucks a week counts. That's roughly $1,000 a year and work up from there. Figure out what you need versus what you want. You'll have to sacrifice buying some things to save money, but chances are you actually didn't need them anyway. Excuse number two, I'll start next month. Next month. That is such a vague point in time in the future, which quickly turns into two months and then it's Christmas and no one saves at Christmas. And before you know it, you're 30 without a cent to your name. So start today, right now. Put $50 in a high interest savings account or set up a direct debit to come out of your transaction account on the next day you get paid. Whatever you do, do it right now. Starting next month means you're already behind. And don't use that old, I can't use technology or I don't know what to ask for at the bank excuse because I have a mate who would empty the loose change out of his pocket every day and stick it in a jar. He'd hide it to protect the stash from the rest of the family, mind you. Would you believe at the end of the year that jar's contents would top $1,000 just from taking change out of your pocket? Next one, I'm too busy to save money, is another one people like to say to me. Saving is not a time-consuming task. 
You just need to sit down and do it each week or even easier, set up an automatic direct debit from your everyday account into a separate savings account. It only takes two minutes. Check in on it whenever you check your other accounts and that's the job done. Next excuse, I'm already too deep in debt to save. And of all the excuses, this one probably holds the most weight, just about. To hit savings targets, it's important to slowly clear consumer debt, you know, your credit card debts and personal loans, and redirect that money towards savings. Now, if you're wondering what consumer debt is, it's basically used to fund consumption rather than investment. As we talked about back in episode three, start by focusing on one debt, your most expensive one, paying it down and moving on to the next one and doing the same. Taking the first step is better than doing nothing at all and going deeper into debt. I'm too young to save is another common excuse. Sorry to break it to you, but you're not. You're never too young to save. Why do you think they handed out those dolomite savings accounts in primary school? To inspire you to think about your financial future. Saving for long-term stuff like retirement or a house might seem a long way off, but the sooner you get started, the better off you'll be. It's about having the right mindset and building good habits. And look, this modern YOLO mentality annoys me. It is just an excuse not to save. Some people think you only live once, YOLO, and deserve to spend money on anything you want. But YOLO has consequences. So if you want to struggle to get ahead, be one of the pack and not plan for how you'll finance your future. Go for it. But don't grumble about the consequences because it's your decision. Otherwise, rein in the impulse buys and stop splashing out on things you really can't afford or don't have long-term value, like all those on-trend clothes and cosmetics. In the future, you'll be grateful that you didn't waste all that money. But in saying that, I do have a confession to make. I once fell in love with this spectacular leather jacket in a shop. I didn't look at the price until they'd rung it up and it was too grand. I was too embarrassed to put it back, so I bought it. That was a YOLO buy and an important lesson for me to look at price tags. Lib's never forgiven me. And talking about her, she has always been the saver. She is so frugal with money. She loves watching account balances grow. It's in her DNA. It's not in mine. So she's sort of been my savings coach, I suppose. And we inspired our kids to save through our pocket money system. We would pay pocket money under very, very strict conditions. They could spend 40%. They had to save 50% and then donate 10% to a charity. With the savings, we'd always discuss a goal they wanted to save for. And in some instances, we'd even match them dollar for dollar if we thought it was worthwhile to achieve. So, no excuses going forward. You've listened to this podcast series, Act Now. Everyone seems to have an opinion about money and everyone has their very own set of views about the economy and their own investment philosophies. 
whether it be your parents, relatives, good friends, everyone seems to have their own. Some are good, some have an element of rationality, and others are just plain dumb and dangerous. So let's fact check some of this advice so we can determine whether it's worth following or not. Number one bit of advice most people get, it's not worth keeping money in the bank. Well, partly true. Leaving money in the bank rather than investing it means your money isn't working as hard as it could be, particularly in this era of low interest rates. However, it's a very good idea to have some savings that you can access easily in case of a rainy day. For example, if you lose your job or get sick. Look at a high interest term deposit, maybe online accounts and cash management accounts for the very best rates. Second bit of advice you often hear, buying a home is better than renting. I reckon that's a big maybe. The cost of renting the same house over the same period can actually be more expensive than buying a house and you don't even own the asset at the end of all those payments. But if you go back to episode seven, I give you a very good financial argument for renting, provided you invest the difference between the rent and the mortgage payment somewhere else. But remember, property can also go down in value and we've been seeing that lately. Advice number three, your mortgage should be no more than three times your annual income. False. Oh, if only. This kind of advice may have been sound for previous generations 20, 30 years ago, but it is so unrealistic in today's property market. Depending on monthly repayments and other debt, such as credit cards, a mortgage of up to four or five times your annual salary could be feasible. Get good advice on it. Limit mortgage stress by budgeting carefully to determine your borrowing limits and look at a fixed variable mixture of loans and shop around. Go to websites like canstar.com.au to compare loans for the very best deal. Fourth bit of common advice, it's a good idea to consolidate debt into your mortgage. I reckon that's generally false as well. It is a fast-growing myth at the moment that the best way to clear high-interest consumer debt is to consolidate it into a mortgage. Using long-term borrowing, such as a mortgage, for short-term needs generally is not a good mix. While the interest rates may be lower for a mortgage, the amount repaid over the life of the mortgage, which can be up to 30 years, will cost you much more. The only way to make it work is to consolidate the high interest debt into the home loan, isolate what you've done and pay that bit off as quickly as you can. Don't let it drag out 30 years. Don't make it part of your long-term home loan. Another bit of advice we always get is buying an investment property is the best form of investment. This is absolutely false if you're buying an investment property on its own. People who have investment properties, as well as owning their own home, are just simply not diversifying their investments and have put all their eggs in the relatively inflexible and illiquid residential property basket. It's a better idea to have a balanced portfolio, 
that includes shares, fixed interest, as well as property, as the share market has outperformed property as an investment over the long term, and it does it consistently. Another bit of advice you'll receive, insurance is a waste of money. False. False in capital letters, underline it. As we talked about in episode six, it's important for everyone to have some form of insurance to protect both their income and their assets. Life insurance is also important for looking after your family if anything happens to you. One of the best ways to buy life insurance? Through your superannuation fund, as it can be cheaper and more tax effective. Insurance is a waste of money until you need it. My seventh most common bit of advice that we receive from every man is dog is, with compulsory 9.5% superannuation, I don't need to worry about retirement. That is really false. Achieving a comfortable retirement depends on when you started working or paying into super, the age you plan to retire, your retirement lifestyle, and how much super your partner has. But even for people who will have contributed into a super fund for their entire working life, 9.5% will really be a bare minimum. Most estimates now suggest that 15% contributed to super throughout your working life, that is year in, year out, is needed to provide 75% of your pre-retirement income. And finally... A lot of people say financial advice is a waste of money. Well, I reckon that is generally false as well. Research has shown that those who get professional advice usually end up financially better off, with almost three quarters of those who visit a financial planner saying it has had a positive impact on their finances. But like everything else, there are good and bad advisors, so select carefully. So now that we've cleared up all the excuses and the myths around money matters, let's talk about changing your mindset and putting some practical steps in place to save more money right now. Number one, start with the 10% savings method that we've talked about earlier. Every time you get paid, send 10% of your income to a high interest savings account that you simply don't touch. If you receive a salary, set up an automatic debit from your transaction account to a separate investment account to make sure this always happens. I'm not saying that saving 10% is the magic number or will be enough to achieve all your financial goals, but it's a great start and builds a habit. Become a year-round negotiator from bank fees to televisions, gym memberships to insurance, You'd be amazed at how many things in this life are negotiable. And you'll be even more amazed about how much money you can save when you commit to negotiating on every transaction you make. Also, do 15 minutes of financial homework each month. I call it monthly money love. Every month, set aside just 15 minutes, that's half the time of home and away, to think about your money and give it some love. Not to pay bills or do financial admin, but to set goals. Assess how you're doing financially and maybe adjust behaviour. In other words, working on your finances rather than in them. And when it comes to money, superannuation and insurance are probably the two things that most people know the least about. 
They're two of the most important aspects of your financial well-being, so take your time to learn about them. Thanks to our ageing population, the government just can't afford to keep providing generous handouts to retirees as they have in the past. This means superannuation is what you're going to have to live on in retirement. Is yours appropriately invested? Also, set aside an opportunity fund. An emergency fund is money you set aside and don't touch unless you really, really need to. But instead of thinking about this as money for an emergency, I like to think about it in terms of the opportunity it affords you to have less worry if something unexpected happened. And finally, I want to talk about overcoming your money fears. For many Australians, the major hurdle to building real wealth isn't the performance of investment markets, it's what's happening in your head. All of us are governed by basic human emotions, you know, vanity, lust, greed, fear, joy, sadness. When it comes to matters of money, fear is often the overwhelming emotion which can destroy our ability to manage our finances properly. Understanding those fears and knowing how to overcome them can be both a liberating experience and a critical turning point in building serious wealth. So start by acknowledging your money fears. Knowing you have them is half the battle for overcoming them. Write them down and face them. It could be running out of money in retirement, coping after losing a job, the death of a partner, or drowning in debt. Talk about it with others. You'll be surprised at how liberating it is and how many other people are in the same situation. Be grateful for what you have. It brings perspective to your fears and reinforces there are a lot of other more important things to life. And maybe find a mentor. If you're like a, a financial Sherpa, they can change your life forever. Someone to guide you through financial issues. And finally, as I've said before, take action today. Don't be paralyzed by your fears. Focus, make a plan, and then act on it. Look, that brings us to the end of this episode on maintaining good financial habits when it comes to your finances. If you want to learn more, head to the Your Money and Your Life website. There are plenty of articles and some more hints from Libby and I. That's ymyl.com.au. And thanks for your company and sticking with us through this podcast series. Good luck. Koshy's Easy Steps to Financial Success was presented by David Kosh. Producer, Melody Ruiz. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.